1: The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio.
0: Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer. If you're watching on the TV, I don't know if I look like I'm sitting in the dark in a grotto. It seems to be very, very dark this morning, but I'm sure we can uh, do our best to deal with that. Um, uh, Joining me this morning for all of the chat of, well, whether we've got festive cheer or not festive cheer with... um, I mean, I don't know, it's the 1st of December, so we've got, uh, is it 24 days left of uh, Christmas shopping and partying or not partying or panicking about Omicron? Uh, Benedict Spence is joining me for all of that. Uh, He's a Conservative commentator and is here with me until nine. Good morning to you.
1: Good morning, Julia. How are
0: you? I'm very well, indeed. I had a lovely evening last night uh, surrounded by lots of other like-minded soul- souls who were very, very sweetly were coming up and uh, uh, telling me they listened to the show and they were among them some wonderfully A-list celebrity um, actors. So I'm feeling very good about myself today, having having felt more and more misery since, since Friday and Saturday and when we had mm. that press conference on Saturday. And I think a lot of people feeling something of a black cloud over them uh, with this sort of here-we-go-again feeling. How are you feeling?
1: Oh, I always feel very Grinch-like at the summer of year, anyway. So this <laughs> is just added to it. <laughs> can I
0: can I point but, out it's the first of December and you still got that November uh, moustache?
1: Uh, would you like me to go and shave it off during a break? During the, <laughs> I think you should
0: shave it off live on air. I really, I really think. But there we are. Um, okay, look, let's, let's talk about let's talk about what we learnt yesterday press conference from the Prime Minister at Number Ten. Never a good thing. Um, I mean, they're never going to have a press conference. They're going free chocolate for everyone, freedom and a Caribbean holiday, and they're never going to do that press conference. It's always going to be more restrictions on your life, um, which we ourselves in Downing Street are not going to obey. We'll come to that in a moment. All adults to be offered their booster jab by the end of January. Uh, Certainly over forty is by uh, mid-December. They're saying the military brought in. Of course they are. That always looks good on a headline. Um, yeah. And uh, we've also had quite a lot of uh, uh, debate over this in Parliament about the new restrictions. The vote in Parliament last night, of course, a vote to uh, to endorse these measures. The Labour Party not offering any opposition other than, please, can we have more restrictions? Um, mm. But endorsing the government restrictions, which we're told are going to be reviewed uh, on, um, uh, on, I think, the 20th of December, and yet, bizarrely, um, they're going to be in on the statute book until the twenty fourth of March, which is, yeah. seems rather strange to me. That's included the self isolation rule. If you come into contact with, COVID. Um, I, I mean, I think for an awful lot of people this morning, looking at that and hearing that news, we're just again, we're just starting again another three weeks to flatten the curve.
1: Mm. Um, I think a lot of people also, if they had bothered to tune into uh, BBC Parliament or whatever it was to see what was going on, would have been horrified to see, frankly, uh, how few front bench MPs were actually in the chamber to. Uh, debate the topic, which, you know, honestly, when you consider uh, the whole point of parliamentary oversight to see so few uh, MPs actually engaging with it, so many, therefore, regarding it as a fait accompli, uh, I think is very dispiriting. And, you know, it's all very well saying that it's up for review in a couple of weeks, but we all know realistically that it's not going to be. And we know that March will roll around and that actually these powers won't be got rid of. Why? Because we've been through this before and everybody said at the start of the pandemic that this would happen. And, you know, we might sound like broken records, but here we are, and we were right. Yeah, I, I get people on
0: social media saying, "Stop banging on." I mean, what do you mean? I mean, oh, I listen. If you want to give me an opportunity to never talk about this stuff ever again, I will take <laughs> it. I will grab it with both hands. But I don't get that opportunity. Uh, that's that's the really frustrating thing. I mean, the front page of uh, I mean, lots of the papers. It's all about Christmas. Um, yeah, mm. and, and yes, and a lot of people. Yes, it's the first of December. A lot of people are worried, having not seen family members. Yet yeah, a lot of people travelling abroad, uh, like my good colleague uh, Mike Graham, um, you know, to see family members over Christmas. But um, the Daily Mail PM says don't cancel your Christmas um, is is one of those headlines. And the Guardian PM clashes with health officials over new curbs. Um, we had Jenny Harries, um, who's obviously been a crucial figure in in, in the medical establishment uh, over the years over over COVID. And it is years now. That's the terrible thing. It is years. Um, And she yesterday (laughs) said, oh, well, you know, you should cancel any unnecessary socialising. Now, I'm totally intrigued. I'm I'm as intrigued by the phrase unnecessary socialising as I am by leftover wine. These are these are (laughs) phrases that that just don't really enter my vocabulary. But um, she was saying this. Number 10 shot that down. As soon as there were questions at the number 10 press briefing yesterday, that was shot down. And by Boris Johnson as well. So, look, don't cancel your Christmas parties. We've already Mm. seen a massive hit to hospitality. Already people are cancelling parties. Yeah. Um, And of course, the prime minister last night hosted a big party for MPs himself in number 10. So maybe that's why he didn't want it to be cancelled.
1: I think it's I think it's quite a nasty little thing actually to have done, to say, you know, uh, avoid all unnecessary socializing simply because, uh, you know, this has been a particularly difficult year. I'm sure a lot of people are feeling the squeeze financially and it is that sort of little nudge in the direction of, you know, it's just another thing. It's just another little you know whisper in the ear to say, oh, maybe don't do that. And a lot of people who wouldn't normally will go, oh, do you know what? I, I'm going to. And as you say, it does have knock-on effects. Businesses will be affected. People's mental health, you know, I don't like to go on about that too much, but that will be affected. Another yeah. Christmas of not seeing people. These things, you know, it might have just sounded like a, a throwaway line. Yes, just a, little piece a of casual device, remark
0: made by a public servant whose job yeah. is, is there every day and who gets paid every day and has obviously been busy throughout the pandemic that that casual remark will cost businesses. Um, I've been mm. hearing lots of pubs and restaurants and venues. They're saying people are cancelling their events because they're not quite sure it's going to go ahead. They may as well cancel it now before they've got to pay, you know, more than the deposit. Um, and people just, you know, offices cancelling their Christmas parties. Um, you know, I know DJs who've lost work, drivers mm. because the conferences are being cancelled. You know, this, this has a massive knock-on effect on the economy. And bearing in mind, these are businesses that we're counting on, Having a decent Christmas, bearing in mind that last year, I mean, November is actually one of the busiest uh, times of the year for that. A lot of people have early events that, you know, that was all cancelled. And then everyone thought, don't worry, we'll have Christmas. That was mm. all cancelled. So, you know, we are talking about two, you know, two Christmases in a row. We, and, mm. and there are many, many businesses, whether it's retail or whether it's a, a hospitality where, you know, six months of their money is earned in, a, in about six weeks of the year. You know, they, yeah. they rely on it and they're just losing it all. So we're going to have lots of businesses, if this carries on, lots of businesses that we've managed to keep afloat through furlough and all these, you know, bounce back loans and that, who are going to end up going under by a combination of people cancelling their Christmas parties and the energy costs going up and supply costs mm. going up. And and then what, you know, what was the point of all of that, trying to save those businesses, save those jobs? It's so frustrating. Um, the Mirror... Um, have I mean, yet another expose say, on hypocrisy at number ten. I mean, bearing in mind, you know, them who exposed uh, you know, Dominic Cummings when he did his Barnard Castle Dash. It's one rule for them is their front page. Boris Party broke COVID rules. Number ten hosted a boozy boozy, boozy bashes, not even just one, boozy bashes, while millions endured strict lockdown. This was November last year. Um mm-hmm. As the country was in its second lockdown, that mini one, which did actually massively hit hospitality, but schools still open. So a lot of people perhaps didn't feel quite the crunch there. But I mean, you know, my daughter and and three or four of her closest friends have birthdays in November. All of their birthday parties cancelled. Boris Johnson had 50 people crowded into a a party, a very small room um, for a party during those those restrictions. I mean, it just defies belief. This idea that (laughs) restrictions are put on other people, but not for them.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, I was. I was going to say a good rule of thumb would be to conduct yourself how you imagine Boris Johnson might conduct his private life, and then I thought "Mm, perhaps not. Mm. But you know, yeah, it's um. You know, in the grand scheme of things, that might not be the best thing. But ultimately, with regards to COVID. I don't think that that's the worst rule, actually, to think, well, what would Boris do? Let's not try to deify him too much. But what would he do? Would he see his family? Almost certainly, yes. You know, is he going to wear a mask at XYZ event? Almost certainly not. And if it's all right for him, actually, why isn't it all right for you? And this is the thing. he's not Superman.
0: Well, that's it. The criticism of the mirror will be: it's outrageous. You had a party. No, no. What is outrageous? (laughs) You stopped other people having parties. That's what's outrageous. Mm. And this is the thing. My criticism all week about the hypocrisy. You know, I I, I don't know how many events I'm going to bump into cabinet ministers at this week who who are crowded parties. And no, they're not sitting down the whole time. Everyone's rushing around, kissing hello, being really friendly. Everyone's no mask whatsoever, and they're doing this at the same time as they're saying to other people. That, that, that they should be they should be restricting things. Now, what that tells me is not, oh, oh, you know, they think those rules are just for other people and, and that they think those rules are very important. It tells me and it tells should tell everyone else they don't think the rules matter. They're saying it for effect. It's theatre. Mm-hmm. They're saying it because some of the medical establishment are saying it to them. But bearing in mind, these are people who have spent the whole of the last two years living a completely normal life. They're still standing. You know, maybe that's a bit of a giveaway that unless you are vulnerable and elderly, you probably don't need to take the sort of precautions they're taking because there are plenty of people telling us to do these things who aren't taking those precautions. And when someone says to me, you need to wear a mask or you need to stop socialising, who isn't doing those things themselves when the cameras aren't on them, that tells me that they may be lying to me.
1: (laughs) Yes. And I mean, the thing also to remember is, An MP's job, an epidemiologist's job, they aren't threatened by this. Not even their second jobs are threatened by this, if we're going to be completely honest. (laughs) Um, And that's the thing that you need to bear in mind. They may think that it's okay to say, oh, well, you've all just got to tighten your belts and you've got to toughen up and put it through. But it's only a few more months. They've been doing this for years now, as you say, and it doesn't really affect them. It doesn't really affect them if you don't hold them to account at election time, which is the only time that they really matter. That's what people have to remember. Ultimately, this doesn't massively impact their lives. Uh, and th- that's how you have to think about. It. That's yeah. how you have to proceed and you have to take these decisions into your own hands and you have to say, actually no, these people might advise me, they might set tax laws, they might do this, but they do not control my life. Yeah. it is up to me to do that.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people are getting to that point now where they're just you know they're just simply not prepared to, to put up with this anymore. Again, let people make their own uh, risk assessment. Um, not allowed to do that in Greece there. extraordinarily, over 60s who are unjabbed in Greece are being told they must pay the government a fine of hundred euros a month. Indefinitely, while they're still not double jabbed, um, given Greece's uh, record in terms of collecting income tax, I'm um, not entirely convinced this is going to work. But this is I mean, it's laughable and deeply, deeply sinister as well.
1: It is. I mean, the, the the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, imagine being a Greek pensioner, managing to go your whole life not paying tax and then right at the end having to pay the COVID tax. Um, Have to see the funny very,
0: side. Yeah,
1: yeah um, it is very sinister, though. But, you know, again, it's these sort of measures that we've seen elsewhere in Europe. And, you know, as I say, as I've said elsewhere, Placid societies, placid people are being turned militant. We've seen it in Austria, in Italy, in the Netherlands. Yeah. Perfectly normal people are furious because this is huge government overreach from what we were initially promised. And they've seen the evidence about the virus, and they know that whilst it is serious, it is not that serious.
0: Exactly. It is. Yeah. In no way, exactly, are we in any way denying or you know undermining. We're just saying let's get things in perspective. Just finally, we'll talk about um, Omicron. The whole issue here is about Omicron, getting the booster jabs. You know, oh, having the military involved because I, mean, I mean, a lot of these headlines are all about taking control, which is not what mm. the government has been seen to do in recent weeks. So mm, how convenient, some people might say. But the Moderna chief executive has said, oh, his vaccine may be less effective against Omicron. They don't know yet, by the way. Other yeah. vaccine manufacturers have said there's no reason to think they won't be. Preliminary data uh, from South Africa and from uh, Israel, who are way ahead on a lot of these things, suggest the vaccine's are very effective against Omicron. Yeah. And again, most, most people who are avalanche have said, you know, there's no reason to think this. We've had a lot of top experts like John Bell from Oxford University say, look, there's just simply no reason to think that this would be an issue. And it does appear that this variant so far, we've got all these, you know, Nicholas Sturgeon and Boris Johnson doing these very, very serious and very sort of, very sort of worried-sounding press conferences, talking about people who've not been hospitalised even with Covid. I mean, mm. this Omicron variant, it would appear from what's happening in South Africa and around the world so far that, that this, is a, this is more transmissible, easier to catch and to pass on, but mm. that it gives you a disease which is less serious. In which case, Ian, we don't know yet. That's it. These are, it's all unconfirmed, but the preliminary data, that's brilliant. That's what we want is one that's easy transmissible. It, can, it could take over from Delta and cause less serious disease. The Mm. vaccines will work for the people who are vulnerable. I mean, not everybody. I'm sorry, but no one's going to be 100% protection. Tick, tick, tick. What's not to like?
1: People also remember, need to remember, Let's say we have the worst case scenario, which is not gonna be this this strain. Let's say the worst case scenario, one that completely is able to yeah. circumvent the current vaccines that we have. Well we already have its its genetic sequence mapped out and we can alter it very quickly. And we now have the capacity to roll these things out within a hundred days. That's what every single major vaccine company has said. Yeah. Actually, a hundred days, and we'll probably have the, the you know the booster or the, the tweaked one for if this really is the you know the doomsday variant. Yeah. So I think you've just gotta say, you know, worst case scenario It's not that bad. No, exactly. Although I'd like
0: to point out, though, I will not be having a 100-day lockdown every time there's a new variant. (laughs) Sorry, it ain't going to happen.
1: The Breakfast Briefing with Julia hartley Brewer on Talk Radio.
0: If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10.
1: Selling a little
0: or a lot?